And there we go with the uh, pop of the top. That's the uh, pop in the top on the uh, very first episode here of uh, Two Guys and a Beer Podcast. My name is Andy Beckstrom, uh, joined as always, and I say as always because it's episode one, so <laughs> will be as always. My friend Sean Field here for the uh, podcast, trying to get things kicked off. So uh, glad you could join us in uh, the uh, episode. We'll talk about some randomness, I'm sure, kind of what's going on in the world and some sports stuff and kind of dive into a few different things. But, uh, you know, right off the top, uh, we're going to heard the uh, pop top on the sound of the uh, beer opening. But uh, podcast, two guys in a beer. You know, you know the names of the two guys. The Moosehead beer is what we're going to be having today moosehead lager uh, will be our uh our choice here but uh before we get too deep down that trail uh sean uh could do kind of an introduction here tell us who we are and kind of what we're doing here other than just talking to ourselves <laughs> well i want to thank everybody for listening that tunes in we appreciate it you know do the like subscribe share on all the social media platforms for us to help us out there uh, we're just a couple old guys now we've been buddies for over 20 years played a lot of rec sports Ever since we were 18, 19, we played high school sports. I came up with this idea to do a podcast because, well, we're in our 40s now. We need a new hobby and we can't play sports much longer. My back hurts, <laughs> my knees hurts, your back hurts, your knees hurts. I mean, you're popping Advil, I'm putting Ben Gay on my knees. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm taking, eating bananas, drinking these RX Fit Aid drinks, all this goofy stuff, bare back and body. So I, not too long ago, I was like, oh, I got to talk to Andy. We should start a podcast. We can't play sports much longer. We need a new hobby. So podcasting it is, and here we are for all of you. A lot less medication involved. You know, a lot less warming up for uh, for something like well, this. It's a different type of medication. It's, <laughs> this is it's, true. It's beer medication. This now. is true. You know, as long as as long as no matter what we do, we uh, still come through uh, loud and clear. So. Well, you know, it depends on how many moose heads we have. It might be less uh, <laughs> understandable later. What do you think of the beer, though? It's pretty good. Has, it's pretty good. It it's. Uh, do I don't think that I've had it before. No, I don't. I don't believe so. It's. Uh, it's definitely light. It's a lager. Fiercely a lager. independent product of Canada. Fiercely independent. Yep, because it's still owned by the family that founded it. Oh, there we go. There's a lot of breweries that are still like owned by local, like the Lining Kugels. Is still owned by whatever iteration of Lining Lining Kugel it is now, like Dick Lining Kugel and. I don't know. There's like I think there's like six of them now or something that own it, but they brew very little of their beer at their brewery. Right, Miller Most of, it for exactly. Yeah, everything is at you know Miller Coors yeah. and their various locations and stuff. But yeah, I, I you know I don't. I mean, I like it you know, if they can keep everything in house. I mean, obviously there's a certain level of like, well, we don't have to put all the we we created it and we we'll just you know live off of that or whatever. But yeah, it's a. Uh... Owned by sixth generation, sixth generation Olands now. Two sons still help operate it, run it, manage it, continuing <laughs> forward. Uh, it's got quite the interesting history. So basically, this beer company was founded in 1867. That was 156 oh. years ago. Wow. <laughs> so it's been around for a hot <laughs> it's minute. It's been around a long time. <laughs> and actually, the country of Canada was founded in 1867. So it's almost older than <laughs> it's, the country that it's, it's in. Yeah. <laughs> So I thought that was interesting. It's the last major brewery in Canada that's still owned by Canadians. It's still independently owned by the family. So like a Labatt's or Molson or whatever or Big something else? owned by other non-Canadians hmm. now. I yeah. guess I didn't know that. I think Maybe I thought that Molson was owned by whoever else, but I thought maybe like a Labatt's was still whatever. I just looked this up myself. I thought 
road trip, you know, since we can do spontaneous road trips, but it's a little far for a road trip. <laughs> it's not it's not quite like randomly going to it's, Chicago on a on a Saturday morning. No, it's just sixteen hundred <laughs> miles away on right. the east coast of Canada in New Brun- St. John, New Brunswick. So it's sixteen hundred miles from home from here. So when it started, actually it was a female that started brewing the beer first. <laughs> her name was Susanna Oland. Um, and she started brewing beer in her backyard and she shared it with her community that she lived in back then. Uh, and she was brewing an October brown ale. Mm-hmm. And it became Sounds popular. Yeah. And with her in her community in 1867. So she and her husband and her kids decided to start Turtle Grove Brewery. That's where it began. Okay. So it wasn't even Moosehead originally. It was Turtle Grove. Was the name of was the what brewery. it was called. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll take the uh, the two guys in a beer private jet out there as well. <laughs> Is that part of the yeah, benefits yeah. package? Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so we'll do that in like 2064. Yeah, Is yeah it? we'll get on and just go, yeah, like Elvis. Uh, right. I feel like I'm going to take my daughter to see snow, land, see snow, leave five minutes later. Mm-hmm. You learn that at Graceland when you're there. He did that once. Another thing so. I've not been to yet. It's really cool. That one's a little closer than 1,600 miles away. but <laughs> It is. It's about 10 hours, 10, 12-hour drive, if I remember. Sounds right. In 1870, so three years after they found started founding, founding the brewery, Susanna's husband died unexpectedly. So she went around and got support from investors to keep the brewery going. And because she got investors, she was no longer the majority owner of it. And it was renamed to Army and Navy Brewery. Army and Navy Brewery. Is there like a background for that from the Army Navy? I, like, I couldn't find really any enjoyed the game or something. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't find any information. Hmm. But I suppose Interesting. Maybe some of the investors were part of the Canadian Army or Navy because right. it was on the East Coast. Like I said, on mm-hmm. a pier, which you'll learn about what happened later. Okay, I go through this. So in 1870, you know, when she the husband died, she needed investors to keep Turtle Grove Brewery going. It was renamed Army and Navy Brewery because she no longer held the majority interest in ownership. In 1877, Susanna used money from an inheritance that she received to repurchase controlling interest from the investors. There so you now go. the Olan family owned the brewery again. And then she renamed it S. Olan Son and Company hmm. was the name, 1877. Interesting. Of the brewery. I like it. About a year later then... The main building and several other buildings attached to the brewery were gutted by a fire. Of course. That, that era. Pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty devastated. Yeah. And then uh, she rebuilt the, a larger brewery on the same site. In 1885, she passed away. And then the brewery passed along to the second generation. Her youngest son in particular is the one that took it over. His name is George W.C. George W.C. No clue what W.C. means. That's just what i read right i think i had a pen pal when i was in like second grade that was wc he's from texas and no idea that's only ever talked to him then so i have no idea what it meant yeah no clue 1895 rolls around prohibition era started caused a lot of problems with the brewery so george sold sold it to a british syndicate who renamed it halifax brewing ltd george and his brother john end up staying with the Halifax Brewery and his managers. So they were still a part of it after they mm-hmm. sold it to this British syndicate, whoever that may be. I don't know. Right. Sounds mischievous. It does. When anytime you throw syndicate in there, it definitely it adds a... Sounds like gangs and yeah. stuff to me. Yeah. Uh, 1896, 
another fire level the buildings. There you go. Really level. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good uh, thing that we got a good fire service now. We can <laughs> smoke yeah, detectors and everything. Right. <laughs> it was rebuilt again. Uh, in 1809, there was a, a dispute over compensation. You know how I said George originally stayed on as a manager. Mm-hmm. He was mad about his compensation, so he ended the relationship with the British syndicate or gang member or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> he decided, he took his money, he went and purchased Highland Spring Brewery in Halifax and renamed it Oland and Son Brewery. So now they're back to so, the family. So they so they bought the same thing back. So you've bought the brood back twice now. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> For those um, keeping track at home. <laughs> right. Well, this is a different one. This one's Highland Spring Brewery. The other okay. one was Halifax. Oh, Halifax. Okay. It was, yeah. Halifax Brewery LTD. In 1917, on December 6th, this is the interesting thing. So this brewery, like I told you, was built on the East Coast. On the ocean, right on a pier, or next to a pier. So 1917, on December 6th, there was a French warship there. It collided with a Belgian relief vessel in the Halifax Harbor. Both ships were on fire. They couldn't be controlled, so they steamed their way into the pier. Pushed it. <laughs> <laughs> While they were in the pier, the ships blew up. Of course. Killing 2,000 people, and it destroyed everything within 800 meters Jeez. of the shore. Which, guess which was there? The brewery. brewery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so six people that actually worked at the brewery died in the explosion, and Savannah's son, Conrad, died in that explosion. It's been quite the uh, epic ride for, you know, <laughs> at, at what point do you're just like, you know what, maybe we should go into, like, blacksmithing or something else, you know, and they'd say, <laughs> this, clearly right. this is just not <laughs> working. It's for not working for the Oland family. <laughs> right. Now, 1918 rolls around. George W.C. uses the insurance money, and apparently he received some sort of explosion compensation to fund the purchase of a new brewery that was called Red Ball Brewery in St. John. George sent his oldest son to run the Red Ball Brewery while he stayed back at the pier with his youngest son, Sidney, to rebuild what was destroyed in the explosion. So now they own a brewery inland, and they stayed back and rebuilt the one (laughs) on the coast. I like the explosion compensation too. That's a yeah. I wonder who I, paid that. Out. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure. I guess it makes sense if the you know, the two ships collide into the bit and whatever. But it's you know kind of like a an explosion. That's not <laughs> a phrase you hear real often. <laughs> In 1928, rolls around the Oland business continues to grow. So they purchased another brewery. It was called the James Ready Brewery. And while searching searching old James Ready company records. George B. came across the name Moosehead. So okay. that's where the, the name Moosehead first appears is because they bought this other brewery and they were going through records. Okay. That inspired him to create the iconic Moosehead. It was originally a pale ale, not a lager. And this and in 1928, it was the first time both the logo and the name appeared on beer. Okay. It was 1928. So it took a minute to get there, but... Uh... And a lot of drama. <laughs> <laughs> they, they got there. A few fires, a few explosions, deaths in the family. In 1937, George B.'s son, P.W. Mm, another, it's all about initials. Another initial there. It's, you know. <laughs> Apparently, he was in going to brewing school all the way in the University of Birmingham in England. Well, Is that part of that syndicate as well? Is it? <laughs> it probably was. There was probably that's, how, that's how they get you. <laughs> 
so this was out in England. PW goes to school out there. He comes back. While he was out there, he discovered a taste for lagers and not ales. Well, of course, their family was only brewing ales and stuff. So in an act of rebellion, PW snuck his new recipe into production while his father was out of the country, creating the first Alpine lager, mm-hmm. which is still a line they sell if you go on their website or go to them. Okay. Um, I haven't seen it for sale or in Minnesota or anything, but if you right. go to their website or Canada, they have Alpine loggers and stuff there. We'll have to get that when we travel so, to go check it out. That's right. We live and in person. Tour. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. He, The reason logger exists is because he snuck it in when his dad was gone. Tricked him into it. <laughs> <laughs> 1947, Moosehead Breweries is born. I guess the Moosehead logo was becoming extremely popular. So the owner, George B., was recognizing that, so he finally renamed the brewery Moosehead Breweries Limited. And that's kind of the first time the Moosehead Brewery name attached to the company. And then in the 70s, fifth-generation family owner, Derek Olan, he led the development of a truly Canadian beer, the Moosehead Lager with the green bottle that you see, the majestic moose icon on there. And they had the first tagline, the moose is loose. The moose is loose. There you go. Love it. The moose is loose. (laughs) And in the 70s is the first time they sold beer internationally, and it came to the United States first. Hmm. Well, Moosehead came to the United States. And then today, it's just sixth generation of Oland's brothers, Andrew and Patrick. They're the ones running the company, and they work there. Their main focus today is on innovation of new brands and the modernization of their facility. Okay, I'm trying so, to update update it for fire code. Pretty I'm much. Assuming, <laughs> so they, they maybe put up some ballistics glass. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have explosive so, insurance this time. <laughs> so that's kind of a fact. So well, I guess it's not as many as it seems to be, but well, that's still it's quite the. Uh, the history, especially the uh, kind of the, it's almost a movie, you know, the uh, the winding ways of how you get there. You know, they had right. to buy it back once, buy a different one to, you know, kind of like supplant into that spot and right. have it destroyed multiple times. Like, like I said, at what point do you just give up? <laughs> you just, this just isn't, it's a cursed project. <laughs> yeah, they didn't want to give up with it. And it's a good thing too. And they have, you know, Moosehead, Moosehead Light. They have a beer called Cracked Canoe, which, it sounds like something I want to try. So mm-hmm. when we take our road trip 1,600 miles to the East Coast. That'll be the next one. We're going to buy some crack canoe. There we go. I like it. <laughs> they do have a, a Moosehead small batch series, mm-hmm. which they have. They have several breweries in Canada, but they have a, a smaller one where they do. It's called the small batch series, and it's like blueberry ginger, oatmeal brown ale, espresso stouts, like raspberry wheat ale, like those mm-hmm. goofy or signature different flavors, you know. Right. And then uh, they still brew the Alpine lagers. Okay. Um, like two flavors of that. And they do have a James Ready. Okay. Uh, like two beers of James Ready beer since they bought that. Right. To keep it going. They still do some ales, though. They got tricked into they the lagers. They still lagers, do but... ales, yep. Gotcha. Can't, I can't find them around here. Right. Um, all we can, all I have found in liquor stores and stuff around here is. Mostly just the. Uh, just the Green Moosehead Lager, which is great beer. In fact, I told you before, you know, I rode around Lake Superior on my motorcycle this mm-hmm. year. Well, I mean, most of the time we're in Canada, of course, and following Lake Superior. A lot of those places didn't even have Moosehead. Oh, wow. I was surprised. I asked huh. for it. They're like, no, we don't have that. We have a bat or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's dumb. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of them had it, you know, so I, I got it. But Yeah. Hmm. Um, 
So that's kind of that. And the whole reason I even got turned on to Moosehead Beer is, you know, I'm building that bar in my basement. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted a cool light. Right. Well, I didn't want Coors Light or, but like, I want different. Right. Absolutely. Different shit in my bar. And mm-hmm. I can only probably put up three or four lights. Otherwise, that'd be too jumbled, you know? So I was mm-hmm. just flinging through eBay and I wanted, you still have one hanging in your bar because, of course, I was looking for signs when you were in there. <laughs> That, whatever's there is yours feel free that, to take whatever <laughs> that miller high life one on the pole you know the ones that rotate oh yep yep i specifically wanted a rotating sign okay on my bar well as i was flinging through ebay guess what i came across a moose head a moose head love it sign with um, their logo on one side and a green moose on the other side and it's got a metal moose on the top and i thought that is freaking sweet yeah, like, I've never seen one. I've barely even heard of the beer Moosehead. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I want to get. So he was. They're asking eight hundred for the sign, and I'm like, man, I guarantee you, hardly anybody has that. So I understood the price. Well, right. I offered him five hundred, and he took it. Still ridiculous. <laughs> right. Five hundred dollars on this sign, but it is freaking cool, man. And then when I got it, plugged it in, I'm like, man, this is sweet. Showed my wife. She's like, oh yeah, cool, great, you know. I'm like, never had the beer before. I'm like, I better go try to find the beer and taste <laughs> Give it. Give it a shot, yeah. <laughs> so I bought, found, found some, bought it, and I realized it's actually pretty good beer. So mm, Nice. An introduction to Moosehead Lager, as told by Sean Field. Love it. Yep. Trademark union made. Union made, yep. Huh. Independent. It's good stuff. Family owned for 156 years. Find it at most local retailers. <laughs> or at least a handful of them, I'm sure. It's crazy. They have a promotion going on right now that if you send them something you've built, they'll put your name on a can of beer and send it to you. Mm. I'm like, dude, there you go. Sign me up. Yeah. So I'm all like filling out my stuff, my name, my address, email address, filling in the paragraph that they want you to. I'm like, built a podcast with my buddy. We're talking about beer, you know, all mm-hmm. this stuff. Wouldn't let me click the submit button. Oh. I'm like, oh, okay. Scroll down, read the fine print. Canadian residents only. Oh, <laughs> like, really? Oh man! So we got to do we got to do oh. the kind of the uh, what is the the lordship thing where we buy like a three by three plot of land in Canada? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I am. I yeah, promise. Yeah, right up there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, dang, how cool would that be? Yeah, yeah no can't doubt. Hold your name on it. But. Maybe we'll have to try to we'll have to try to meet some Canadians or something. I go on, sometimes I meet them on cruises if I go on a cruise. You know, there's yeah. Moosehead Beer, what an introduction for episode number one <laughs> of the Two Guys in a Beer podcast. Yeah, and it's good beer. It's hard to describe the beer because it's got like different tastes, like most Canadian beer. But it kind of walks that line between a bitter taste and a not bitter taste, you know? Like it, it, for a lager, there's still flavor there, mm-hmm. but it's not too much. Right. You know, like if you drink like a Miller Genuine Draft or a Coors or a McLeod Golden, those are lagers too, of course, but they don't. It's not a, a ton of beer taste there, you know. They're, yeah, they're, they're kind usually of on the pretty light. Of like a light. Yep, they're pretty, pretty beer. light, pretty thin. Well, there's enough stuff in here that actually tastes mm-hmm. like a beer. You know, there's got some yeah. resemblance of flavor there, so I think that's why I like it. And lagers have, you know, always kind of they're generally a lighter beer anyway, just because of the way that they're made. But they've kind of gotten that I don't want to say a bad rap, but to your point that. You have the Coors Light and the Mick Gold and the Keystone Lights. You know, they're all lagers. You know, they're just because of it makes it that much lighter. And then you're trying to get a thin beer that you can sell case upon case for. 
And so I think lagers have kind of gotten that. Uh, it's a different process and almost more challenging process if you're brewing it itself because it's more temperature controlled, but people don't do a lot of them. And so that's all they ever see is those super light ones. So yeah, you get something like this. People probably see, oh, it's a lager. I don't, yeah, man, nah, nah, whatever. But if you actually try it, yeah, like like you said, it actually has some flavor, has some depth yeah, to it, actually has something going on. So Yeah, there's definitely something there. I did try to figure out the ingredients of it, but to no avail, of course. <laughs> Apparently, they don't give out the ingredients to this beer. Right. I'm sure somewhere, someplace, Brandon probably has access to that. He can probably do something. Right. But I'm sure most places don't tell you their right. ingredients. You know, like Kentucky Fried Chicken, nobody knows the recipe for their chicken. One of those I'm trying to think sort of, of deals. Which one it was, if it was, I think it might be Coca-Cola. Like, they haven't patented the recipe because then they would have to write it down and give it to somebody. Oh, wow. Like, it's kind of like a, if we write it down and give it to the government or something, somebody could access that, whether it be a clerk or something else. So they're like, nope, it's locked in a vault. And if you figure it out, go ahead. But you're not going to. <laughs> I, th- uh, I think it was Coca-Cola. It was somebody that, like, it was one of those that, you know, a very specific recipe. But they're like, if we patented, then it's out there. <laughs> and that's been around forever, too. Mm-hmm. Coca-Cola, which is a great pop. Absolutely. Especially when you get it at McDonald's. Whatever it is. Well, I know what it is, actually, because I researched that at one point. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so you want to know the reason why McDonald's Coke is better out than everywhere else? It's not because they put cocaine in there? It's not Not yet. Not quite that's, that? That's okay. probably coming soon yet. Right. But it's because it's always cold. From manufacturer to being brought to a McDonald's store, it's never warm. Okay. It's, it's kept cold in the refrigerator the whole time. They use stainless steel tubs for it at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Not every place uses stainless steel containers and stuff for it. So that's hmm. what they assume is why it tastes that way. Because it's never warm. It's always cold. Like Coors Light is brewed right. cold. Same thing with McDonald's Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. So, huh. Interesting. That's what I read anyways on right. the, the interweb. Uh, you know, everything on the yep. interweb is so true. Exactly. You know, I mean, you don't so. post, you, you're not allowed to post it if no, it's fake news. No, that's not, no, you know, not something that's, <laughs> it's not allowed. No, I did, I did so. not know that, but that, that probably does make sense. I'm sure it's the little things like that that do make, you know, just a little bit of a difference, you know. Yeah. So, hmm, interesting. And probably not much, that much of a cost to the company either. Right. I mean, when you own your bar, pop costs you, what, three cents a cup? Yeah, something like that. You know, it's you it's, it's not a whole lot. a cup, you know. Right. So what else is going on in the world? Vikings or training camp start Thursday in a couple of days, whatever day it is. I don't remember. But yeah, it's got to uh, be coming up. Like <laughs> it was like a week, a week ago. It said a week. Like I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to it. Right. I've been kind of working on my fantasy team, paying more attention to that than the Vikings. But I need to set my keepers in my fantasy league. I was just talking to our league manager I play baseball with and he's like, yeah, I'm running three different leagues and it's too much. I don't want to do it. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, I need to set my keeper because we're, we're doing a, it's a lot of our teammates. So a keeper's league over the couple of years, you can save like three players or something like that. Sure. So at some point I need to go in there and actually figure that out. The first year it was kind of wild and funny. You know, it was as soon as we decided it was going to be a keeper league and we were going to have year after year, the same people. Almost immediately, people are like, all right, I'll tell you what. I'll give you two first-rounders next year and a third-rounder for whatever. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) I get it. But by the third year, those third-rounders are going to be like backup quarterbacks because the keepers are going to stay with certain – like the draft depth changes a lot with a keeper league because you just – 
there's less high end talent that's there. It's it, sure it becomes yeah. almost more waiver wire that type of stuff. Unless you're trying to rebuild a squad, draft picks do nothing for you. Yeah, you know I'm in a dynasty league, so we keep the whole team year okay. over year, and then draft picks do a little more for you because you have a rookie draft. Mm-hmm. Well, you're only drafting rookies, so it's trading. My next year, let's say my next year's first, second, third round for Justin Jefferson. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody accept that trade, but that's kind of the stuff that, that mm. goes on a little bit more. I suppose, so, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, so it's been kind of fun doing that. You know, I haven't played fantasy football for a few years since I ended my my league a few years ago that I ran. The one that I won in, like, 2007 or something? Yeah, probably, I think uh, I still have the T-shirt somewhere. Yeah, you probably yeah. do. <laughs> I, I would wear that around Jeff for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I shut that down a few years ago, and just wasn't fun anymore. And it, you know, when you play fantasy football, watching football isn't as fun because you're too focused on the ticker on the bottom of the screen, yeah. or you're constantly on your phone, thumbing your phone, but not paying attention to the game. But I got into it. Was asked to do dynasty last year. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll play. And right now, I'm kind of into it, and I easily had the best team last year, and fashionably, I got blown out in the first round of the playoffs. There you go. Half of my starters scored six points or less. What was your team name? The Vikings. Like flying moose cocks. There you go. <laughs> like usual. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so that really ticked me off. I'm like, really? I I was thirteen and three. I had or thirteen and two is what it was. Only lost twice all year. I scored the most points in the league by like over four hundred points. First round of playoffs come, I lay an egg, and half of my starters score six points or less. Oh, I'm like this is some. Bullshit. Right. I was so pissed. <laughs> Absolutely. I was so mad. So I almost wasn't even going to play this year. I'm like, this, I just want to watch football and not play right. fantasy. But I'm like, well, I better at least run it back, you know, yeah. since I had such a good team. And mm-hmm. I don't know if my team is going to be as good this year. I got pretty lucky with some running backs picking up on the waiver wires and using them for two weeks and then dumping mm-hmm. them and picking up somebody else. But we'll see what happens, I guess. A couple of the people I dropped this year were picked up by other people. So I was picking up rookies and stuff, trying to plan for the future if I yeah. continue to play. My biggest draft pick was that Kincaid, the tight end from Buffalo. That okay, rookie. yep. He's supposed to be like the next Kelsey. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, he's got a good young quarterback working so, with him too. So <laughs> and could have a decent running game. We'll see how they yeah. Cook does over there. Not Dalvin Cook, his brother. Right, you know, brother right. There, to but James Cook? James Cook. Sounds right. Yeah, because they dump Sounds Singletary. like a pirate name, really, is what it sounds like. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so they dumped Singletary. He signed with Houston. He was on my bed. Well, I dumped him since he screwed me last year. I was sick right. of that. Like, bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as long as we're kind of on that, on that subject to a certain extent, maybe get back into fantasy a little bit more later. But uh, from the grand scheme of thoughts from saturn here the running back controversy oh they're just not getting paid and you know things like that and and whatnot what what is your kind of just general take on either just the state of it or what do they do i have some ideas or some thoughts but it's a tough spot to be you know (laughs) i I find it kind of hilarious honestly like (laughs) i I almost feel bad for them because they're pro athletes and they make so much money i don't feel bad for them Generally, I feel like athletes are way overpaid nowadays, but I don't really know what they should do. Football is a different game. You don't hand the ball off to your running back 30 times a game. They, they, if you have got a starting running back and they get 12 rushing attempts a game, 15 mm-hmm. attempts, like that's a lot. Yeah. So they're, they're really not that vital to the game anymore. You know, they're more 
vital as a pass catching running back out oh, of the back. Absolutely. It's a passing league. It's mm-hmm. no longer a running league. So I kind of think they should quit whining and take a step back and look at how different the game is. Right. But on, on the same token, kind of in defense of them, they get beat up to fuck. Oh, absolutely. You know, they don't have a hot, long shelf life. Like they're mm-hmm. six, seven years and they're, they're starting to become less effective, you know? So, mm-hmm. And high, yeah, a high-end running back can still affect the game. It can still be like a vital part. You know, you look at like a Christian McCaffrey kind of person, you know, but he's like you're saying out of the backfield, you know, catching a little bit more, being able to run. That was even Dalvin Cook, you know, last couple of years, like that was where he got some of his big plays was just screen pass, something out, out on the edge, like make a move. But yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with that uh, sentiment. My my kind of thought is they almost kind of need to just step back and reset their own market in a way, you know, every, like they're, everybody's so worried about like the high end backs and they're not going to get paid. And like, but they almost have to understand where they're at and what's happening. Like it is what it is. Go ahead and sign your massive contract for your second deal, but you're going to only going to play two of those four years at best. And then you're going to, that's fine. Take that money, get it, whatever you can guaranteed, but then go play for another team. You know what I mean? Guys that are like holding out and still trying to get, you know, I mean, get, all that you can. Don't get me wrong. Get all that you can because there's the money is out there somewhere. But like you said, it's it's a quarterback league. It's a receiving league. It's a passing league. There's a reason that you know, in a way, guards are making. They, it, it's something that I read recently that the franchise tag for a guard is more than a franchise tag for a running back. And for whatever reason, I mean, obviously the cost of it, but uh, the franchise tag amount for a running back has actually gone down over the last like year or two, which is insane to me, but yeah, it's crazy. still, it just says there's just not as much of a drop off. You know what I mean? They, you, a great running back can still affect the game, but it's not like if you lose one, I mean, how many times have we seen it for different teams that they lose one and they bring in their, you know, fifth round rookie in, and you know, maybe he doesn't get 110 yards a game. Maybe he only gets to like 107 and catches three touchdowns or something. You know, it's, they're still having an impact. They're still being used, but, I don't want to say running backs are a dime a dozen, but you can find another running back. And especially with veterans, you can find a decent running back. You know, they may have a little bit more tread and may not quite be as explosive, but again, you're not using that part of the game as much. Yeah. And that's, that's part of it too. There's not a lot of high level running backs in the NFL anymore, which makes it more interesting is why isn't the Brandon Jacobs like getting paid? Mm -hmm. He's a top three running back. Like he is a massive deal. You know, Saquon Bardley. Why isn't he getting paid? You know, you right. think those top couple would? Yeah. They're not even getting nothing. They're getting squat. Exactly. But, you know, the game has changed, like you said, and, you know, you use two, three, four running backs a game out of the backfield to do different things. Mm-hmm. It's just not a pound and run up the middle yeah. anymore. It's all about passing, you know. Like the guards still not losing value. Well, because it's a passing league, quarterbacks are the most expensive Mm-hmm. piece you pay for so you got to protect them more than you protect a running back and yep this is i don't know man it's just nuts it's different yeah and it's and it's tough too because like even it, you know if you're a young kid you're not even a young kid like guess maybe young to us <laughs> but if you're you know you know 17 18 19 years old getting out of high school going to college it's like well i almost got to fight for if i'm an elite level college running back fight for that right to be able to leave after one year Right now, you have to be two years, and rightfully so, because they just physically they're not built up enough to be. You know, you get pounded in the NFL. But for a certain amount, like that position is, if you spend another year as a as a Division One running back, you're almost taking NFL type hits, 
that's another year off of your career in a way, like you're saying, they get beat up and now you get to the NFL. And if you're drafted in the first round, you got the fifth year option. And so now you're six or seven years sort of with the division one into your career of a 10 year back, Right. The, the shelf life, like you said, is just, it's just not there, you know, and I could pay them or I could just draft another guy in the third round. You know what I mean? Cause there's every year there's 20 running backs that come out. So it's, yeah. it's, and it, so it makes it tough on the position. Cause there's just so many people that want to do it. But do you think that that, I guess maybe I'll ask this question because there's so many that do it. Do you think that there will be this massive change where running backs want to be more out of the backfield, more receiving oriented? Or do you think that we're going to see maybe a trend where kids that are younger, like everybody wanted to be Barry Sanders. Everybody wanted to be Emmett Smith name, whatever running back, you know what I mean? Everybody wanted the ball. Like I'm like, cause that's what you did in high school. Nobody really throws the ball unless you're in like Texas or California or something. But Everybody wanted that position. Do you think that now there's going to be maybe more people that like, well, if this is my long-term goal, there's no money at the end of that rainbow or a short career. Like I'm going to, there's going to just be less running backs. You know what I mean? Do you think that like that pool? Cause right now it's a pretty deep pool of capable running backs. You think that just less people will want to do it? No, I don't think so. I think it'll be about the same as it always was. Because the, the position of running back is, is getting touches. Like the ball gets put into your hands. You know, you're not worried about somebody else putting the ball in your hands. Like a quarterback throws it to receivers, tight ends, or running backs. You know, like all three of those positions vie for touches of the ball. Running backs don't really have to do that. You know, once mm-hmm. they get the ball, the ball is theirs. More opportunity to touch the ball as a running back still. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you do get 10, 12 rushes a game, you're still running out of the backfield getting four to six attempts you know receiving attempts you know passes thrown at you so i don't so you're close to 20 touches a game out of the 60 yeah Yeah, i don't i don't think it'll go down yeah no i don't think it'll go down much at all as far as that goes anyways i don't know it's something to think about yeah sure yeah and i i I mean i it was more just spitballing you know i don't i don't necessarily think that the running back position is going to die or anything like that because even just at a greater scale on the like high school and college level maybe less so college level, but especially the high school level, there's just that not that many guys that can play the quarterback position at a high level. And so you're always going to have a plethora of running backs. Cause that's just what you can do. You know what I mean? You, everybody can run the ball. Everybody runs the ball. Of course, more often than not, you watch a high school game, your best running back is your quarterback because they just take the shotgun snap and drag right. hand off and take off, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think if anything, it would change the position would be they would just hone in more on their receiving skills, mm-hmm. probably a little bit more, and probably even their blocking skills. You know, right. that wasn't ever a big thing 20 years ago because their job wasn't to block. It was mm-hmm. just to, to pound, run up the middle, you know. So that might change a little bit. They'd probably be more worried about different skill sets at the same position, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. Would be my assumption. Did you mm-hmm. see what Andy Reid said this week about Jarek McKinnon? Mm-hmm. You know, he's been in the league for seven years. Mm-hmm. Like four for Minnesota, I think two for San Francisco, and yeah, two for a couple, Kansas City. Yeah, maybe couple, eight years. In the yeah, league. handful there. I think he had some injury years. <laughs> he said he was a dinosaur. I mean, kinda. What? <laughs> he's he's not, like, but he's been around with seven, eight years, but he's barely been used. Right. Like all he has been is catching the ball out of the back. He's never mm-hmm. started an entire season. You know. I'm yeah. Like, even here, he was behind Adrian, and then played. I don't know if he did. He cross over with Delvin. I'm trying to remember what year he left. No, but. he left, and then I think we drafted Delvin Cook. Okay. That year, 
And then he was supposed to start in San Francisco. He's supposed to be their main back. And then he got hurt. Then he got hurt. Week one for yeah. off of the year. So yeah. I thought, how the heck does this guy, a dinosaur? Right. Like, he's got probably a handful of years left, you know, four or five years. Mm-hmm. Even in Kansas City, all he does is catch the ball out of the backfield. Which is, know? I mean, you can make a whole career out of, you know, if you have that ability. Because there's running backs. I think that, to your point, I think that's probably exactly right. What will happen is more focus on that out of the backfield. Cause if you, it's almost like a left-handed reliever. If you can catch the ball out of the backfield, you're going to have a lot longer career than guys that are just Adrian Peterson ground and pound just cause they become dinosaurs rapidly. They don't have sure. that burst step and teams aren't running the ball. And so it's, if you're running the ball 12 times and you get 24 yards, it's a two yard carry two yard average, but that's not explosive. You're not getting to big plays out of that. So, yeah. but Yeah. Left-handed relievers, my God, <laughs> I wouldn't pay anything. But the amount of money that I'd pay to just be, you know, like be left-handed and <laughs> throw just like a seventy-eight mile an hour curveball or something. Speaking <laughs> of pitchers, now you're talking about that. So Joe Mauer just got entered into the Twins Hall of Fame. He's like mm-hmm. what the thirty-eighth Twins member. Well, yeah, whatever it he is. Yeah. Inducted into the Twins Hall of Fame. Whatever the number is, it's in the thirties. I don't remember exactly, but they just so happened. The guy that struck him out this one and only time in high school. Oh, they, yep, yep. Walked up to the mound. <laughs> they had a surprise for Joe. That's I was, awesome. I was reading the article about it, and I guess Joe was new, recognized him right away, and he was coming up there, and he leaned into his leaned into his ear and asked him if he still could throw that nasty curve because that's what he struck him out <laughs> on. It was a curveball. Oh, that's so, awesome. He said it started out at the belt and would drop right to his shoes as it crossed the plate. Mm, one and only strikeout in high school. Right. <laughs> I remember hearing stories about that. Like he'd come back to the dugout and he didn't even realize it. You know, I mean, he's like, Oh, I've struck out before. And they're like, no, you really haven't. <laughs> like all of his teammates were like, are you okay? Like what's, what's, what's happening right now? <laughs> so. Yeah. That was interesting. Hmm. I mean, it's always fun when you bring something kind of not really random, but I guess somewhat random a blast from the past, like something like that back in there could have brought uh Somebody from like the Florida State football squad there. Be like, you ready to fulfill your uh, full ride scholarship now as a quarterback? Chris Winky. <laughs> exactly. 28 years old. <laughs> hey, he still had a pretty decent uh, NFL career out of yeah, that. Yeah, you know, he did it was all right. nuts, yeah. but yeah. He did all right. Not too often you get people that old mm-hmm. in college sports that make it. Yeah. To a professional. Well, Dean Garrett. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, not a lot of them, but he was what? 30 as a rookie in the NBA for yeah. Timberwolves or something. Yeah. Dan yeah, Garrett. Nuts. Yeah, he was he was pretty solid. Yeah, he was okay. amazing, but he was just a solid guy. Played the position all right. Mm-hmm. Some of those yeah. guys from that team, like who was the, the other guy? Was it Tom Hammond? The, he was kind of more of a beefy guy in the middle. Like he wasn't thick, but he was more like built like a yeah, linebacker. Tom Hammond, yeah. It's like 6'2", yeah, but he, he could run you over. Florida. I think he played for Denver or something prior to the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he came here, he was a wily old veteran at that right. point. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's all we ever get is the people right. in the last two years of their career. You know, yeah. Reclamation project. <laughs> we're we're going to bring him back. <laughs> yeah, come play at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's why Dallas Keuchel's here now. Give him a shot. He pitched well the other day, though. Well, did you see what he did in the minor league? It was yeah. like a 1.3 ERA, like just seven nuts. wins, striking out people left and right, and then he pitched and pitched himself into a bunch of jams, but he pinched himself out of the jams, and we won the game. Which so is key. That was nice. When he opted out of the contract, when he was pitching so good, I'm like, why aren't the Twins calling this guy up? Mm-hmm. 
at least throw him in the bullpen or something. Give him an opportunity. Wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it, and then they, he opted out. He yeah. He's like, oh, deuces, I'm out of here. But then he's like, no, I'll still play for the Twins, of course. And then they called him up and put him in and started. Right. Which, I mean, to a certain extent, I guess, in, in his position, if you have five, six, seven starts or whatever with the, you know, that one-point low ERA like that, you know, in triple A, you've now built yourself a little bit of a resume of, I can still pitch at this level. So you kind of bet on yourself in a way, like, oh, I'm going to opt out. I'll still play for you, but I also want to play for one of the other teams that are out here too. You know what I mean? Somebody's looking for a starter somewhere. Somewhere, So yeah. I'm just looking to get to that level. And the twins were like, well, Joe Ryan must have something wrong with him. So yeah, there's a lot um, wrong with him. <laughs> but you know, when you pitch that good in the minors, like, why aren't you calling him up? Right. A 1.3 ERA. Yeah. Six wins. Like at, at some point he, in time, you need to call him up. Exactly. You know, play. Yeah. Like, was, I couldn't understand why they weren't calling him up. You know, mm. it was just weird. Like, what are they doing? I don't know. The twins pissed me off. <laughs> Get you fired up. Minnesota sports, man. <laughs> like we're stuck in this flyover state. I feel mm-hmm. wrong if I don't root for be a homer and root for all these teams, right. but I'm sick of rooting for all yeah, of them. Absolutely. It's so yeah. terrible, man. And it's hard to get hard to get up for about anything. You know, like the wild are strapped to the the two contracts that I mean they had to they had to do what they had to do. Don't get me wrong. Right. I I agree with the decision and the fact that they were able to win in as many games as they did last year was unreal to me with what they were working with, but it's going to be another two seasons of, well, we're uh, working with, uh, we're basically short two elite level players just because of the money. And it's just, that's the fact of what's going on. And, you know, it sucks, but it's, you know, how do you get excited for that? Knowing that it's going to be, it's like when I was, t- so I was talking to my buddy Jason earlier today, we were talking about concerts or whatever. And he's like, Oh, are you getting a, a hotel? Cause I bought Metallica tickets. Oh, I did too. And yeah, it's when a, went on sale. Yeah, it's like a Friday, Sunday summer? bit. Well, exactly. He's like, you get in a hotel. And I'm like, well, I mean, maybe, but it's next year. And he's like, oh, so it's not next week? <laughs> so it's kind of like getting excited for like years down the road. You know what I mean? So it's, I don't know. It's it's tough to do that. You know, I'm still excited for the while. I love hockey. It's just absolutely one of my favorite sports. But it's still is like something like that. It's like you just basically screwed. The Vikings going into this year are like, well, they had the worst defense in forever last year and it's like yeah they got a new coordinator and they can do some stuff but you know it's man, a little bit of turnover it and can only go can only get better though it can't get much worse than ex- last year, yeah exactly you know? there's a certain part of me that you could absolutely convince me that they're going to be like eight and nine i don't think they'll be much worse than that i don't i think that they'll be still be pretty decent pretty good if nothing else the offense will carry them through to a 500 record just like last year yeah. but you could make a fairly lucid Maybe drunk, but fairly lucid argument that they could be, I don't know about a Super Bowl contender, but like a legit contender. Because you do have cousins in the second year of the same system, which he's for the really, first time ever. Yeah, he's really never him. had that. You have some stability around the entire offensive line is back. So you got the stability there. The receiving core, really all you're changing is the running back. And Madison's been there. He just wasn't the starter. So he's just going to get more touches you're not changing really much of anything. You have a ton of explosiveness there and now another year with that same system. And if for whatever reason, the defense gets from 32nd to like 20th, I know that's a monumental leap, but it's still not, you know, it's, it's still bottom half of the league. I'm not, I'm saying, I'm not saying they're going to jump to be like a top five defense, but if you get something out of them, like that's still pretty significant. Now all of a sudden you have this offense is absolutely just tearing the league apart last year that now this year could, just destroy folk 
and a halfway legitimate defense. Again, I'm not trying to say they're going to the Super Bowl. I'm not booking my tickets to Vegas. I'm not doing anything like that. But you could make a Why are you lucid... booking your tickets to Vegas? You well, go there I mean, regardless. Yeah, so I was going to say I might, but it might not be Vikings related. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go there for the Super Bowl, but it will not involve them. Yeah. But yeah, you could make a... I could see a legit argument that there are the pieces in place. There is the chance, you know what I mean, that things could progress on that. You know, it's the defense is really going to be the the kind of the X factor. Like they're not going to, like I said, they're not going to jump up to be a top five defense. I don't think they got the pieces to be able to do that. I don't think that they, mostly I don't think that they have the defensive line to be able to do that. That's kind of in my mind where it kind of starts and stops. But if they do jump from 32 to 22, I mean, that's 10 spots, that's but that's pretty significant. That's enough that's to beat instead the Giants of, in the playoffs yeah, last year. Instead of giving up 30 points a game, now you're uh, giving 25, 25 points a game or something uh, like that. But if we average 28 points a game scoring, now you're winning a bunch of those and you're not nail-biter games at the end. You know, right. it's, That's, I think, more so you just want to be competitive. You want to be in a game and give yourself a fighting chance, and I don't think we did that a whole lot last year. No, not really. Which is weird to say that as a 13-3 team. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of things go our way last year. A lot of things went right for a Minnesota team that you just don't typically see. The fumble yeah. at Buffalo, the oh my god, largest comeback in NFL history mm-hmm. against the Colts. Like just things that don't happen yeah. for Minnesota teams. Usually, we're on the receiving end of those things in the history books. You know exactly. When now, uh, who was it? The backup quarterback just tears right down the field and then throws an interception in the end zone. You know, to Patrick Peterson. I don't remember who, who it was off the top of my head now, but you know, just like something like that. Usually, that ball is caught and it's a touchdown, and we lose right. you know, to like Carolina or something dumb. Yeah. You know, so going back to hockey, you know who else likes hockey? Who else likes hockey? The Canadians. Canadians. Well, Canadians love hockey. You know what else Canadians like? Beer. Moosehead beer. Moosehead beer. <laughs> <laughs> Brought it full circle. <laughs> That's all I got with that. Hey, I was going to switch things on here for a minute. This popped into my head a while ago. Kind of political, kind of not. Kind of about him saving the environment and going green. While I was reading this, you know I'm kind of into politics and world events. and I try to avoid it because all it does is piss everybody off. I don't right. care what you are or where you're from. It's no good. This but is where Facebook and Twitter can get involved in our uh, it's, it's <laughs> discussions. But, I'm, I'm, but imagine you didn't notice what New York had just passed. Last week, and their the state, their state government, New York. So they're all pretty left. They're about saving the environment, things like that. Well, now if you go to a restaurant or if you go through a drive-through, they're not allowed to give you napkins, silverware, ketchup packets, mayo packets, or any of that stuff. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, I there, does that make any sense? You're gonna go through McDonald's. And they're not going to throw two ketchup packets into your bag in an effort to save the planet. And I get, I get, I get the idea of not just tossing everything in there from the get go. You know what I mean? But, but from that point, like if I go to like Hardee's in Malacca, they'll ask me, do you want some ketchup packets? I'm like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. I don't need any. And so they don't put it in there. So it's not really, it's not wasting anything, but at least I have the option. But if they're saying that they can't at all, especially like. Because I don't need I don't need ketchup I don't need I don't usually use it for my fries. I, 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 I eat, don't ketchup's you know. so full of sugar and I'm getting fat so yeah I don't like ketchup much either. Exactly I drink but, enough beer to be able to make yeah. up for the ketchup. Who said beer? There we go. I want some napkins. I don't need the seventy three of them that Taco Bell will sometimes give me. Although I need 
The uh, 73 sometimes. Yeah, they don't know how to wrap tacos too well. Exactly. So, you know, but. but at the same time, like, I don't necessarily need that many, you know. But, like, throw, like, two in there. I mean, I got the, the glorious handlebars here, you know. So, like, I get I get some stuff, <laughs> believe it or not, good, right in good. there and eating half of it. But, uh, you know, I, I need a couple of napkins in there to be able to you keep that kind of clean. You know what you get in New York? Zero. I get shirt sleeve. You know how you get. get them? You have to request them. Mm. Okay. Understandable, but. How does that make any sense in anybody's world? Right. Like, I just don't get it. So the wife and I went to Punta Cana a couple months ago. Cool place. Anybody listening out there, if you ever get a chance to go, go to Punta Cana. They're the friendliest people in the world. They're the happiest people in the world. Dominicans are awesome. I was going to say, that's Dominican? Yeah, great food. Cool place. Awesome place to go. They don't have plastic straws. Do you have any idea? Have you ever used a paper straw? I have. It is the stupidest thing Cruise lines almost won't, they won't give you a plastic straw anymore. It is a It's all about saving the turtles. They get in their nose. Yeah. <laughs> the turtles are fine. But I, like, I'm fine not getting a plastic straw, but the paper straws are not the, right. because you leave it in a drink for more than like three minutes. Yes. And now it's, you know, you're it's drinking the straw. Over and you can't use yeah, it. Yeah. You're drinking the straw. <laughs> it's, it's all just falling apart. I don't know what the answer is because you got to find something, you know, cardboard or something like that don't that's give still me a straw, like whatever. Then. I'll but, just drink it. I don't usually use the lids and straws when I go out to eat anyway. It's right. just, Leave the thing away, but don't give me a paper straw. Like, literally, we were getting so frustrated. They would shove this thing in our drink and do right. my I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, this is going to cause more trash out and about because exactly. people are going to be flinging them everywhere than mm-hmm. a plastic straw. So that got that got me thinking about the Punta Cana trip when I read that article in New York, you know, all in the effort to save the planet. Like, I don't understand. Like, the planet is fine. All this stuff is made from things from the planet. The planet has been through hurricanes volcanoes, icebergs, dinosaurs, meteors, tonic plate the, shifts. The planet's trying to kill us anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> you know, magnetic poles changing. The planet is fine. If the planet doesn't want us here, the planet will shake us off, and we'll all go flying. Like, the planet will still be here. It's been here for billions of years. Plastic bags, ketchup packets, plastic straws are not destroy the planet. Mm-hmm. Now, I say that, but I'm... I'm I think everybody should be a good steward of the planet. I don't think we should just be chucking plastic bags everywhere and straws right. and ketchup packets and stuff. Like, be responsible with garbage. There Put needs it to in be a trash can. Yeah, dispose of it properly. Try, try to recycle. But yeah, this reading these articles just made me think like we're gonna save the planet. No, we're not. The planet will be just fine. All this crap is derived from the planet in the first place. So yeah, I just chapped my butthole when I read that. I mean, you gotta be kidding me. It almost reminds me of, was it Minneapolis? I think it was Minneapolis passed a, a thing where uh, no, there was, how did they word it? You couldn't, I think you could maybe use like an existing building, but if you were building a new building, you could not add a drive through to it. Right, yep. Because it, of uh, uh, carbon emissions. Yeah, and greenhouse gas and stuff like that or whatever, yeah, which that. to a certain extent, you know, like, I, I okay, I get what you're trying to say, but people that are going to do that are going to order on the app park in the parking lot, leave the car running, and go inside and wait. It's Minnesota. It's cold AF. <laughs> Maybe some people will, but more often than not, especially, I mean, Minneapolis is its own different part of the world, but especially anywhere else in the rest of Minnesota, like you go into any parking lot in the winter, January, you go to Walgreens, 37 cars in the parking lot just sitting there running. Running, yeah. Like, it, this stuff is just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, you got to do it on like a, a different level or something, whatever it is. It almost seems like it's, I don't know, 
they're trying to do too much stuff that just simply doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. And it, maybe you it's know? an effort to try to eventually make the grand sweeping changes. And like, well, if we kind of nickel and dime it here and there, people won't notice that we completely wipe everything off or something. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, I'm, I don't play at that level. I, I play just small town ball. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting, you know, that this whole Ukraine, war, Russia, all this stuff over there. I don't know if you watched the news a couple months ago, but the pipeline got blew up, Nord Stream pipeline underground. It was Russia's pipeline to Germany and France to supply natural gas. Well, all the evidence suggests the United States are the ones that blew it up. Well, that released more gas in the air than all the pollution mm-hmm. in the world combined in five years. Nobody cares about that. Right. But we're caring about ketchup packets. But do you know how much straws. do you know how much cows fart? A lot. That's why <laughs> that's, they want to regulate that's cow farts and put filters on their butts. You know, yep. like AOC yep. and that's, uh, California people. That's what's happening. <laughs> it's just crazy. Like, I don't know. How have we gotten so far goofy with some of this stuff? You know, like the far left is getting goofy, goofy. The far right, they're a bunch of goofy tards, too. Like, there's no common sense of anything of any kind. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just weird. Yeah, it's uh, everybody's got a microphone and everybody... Oddly enough, we have microphones too, <laughs> oh, but uh, everybody's got a microphone, so everybody's got to make their uh, their presence felt. And sometimes it's not only that, but uh, the more edgy or the more controversial or whatever, the more clicks or the more attention that it'll get. And so you got to be that extra level, you know, that next level as long as you can. Pretty much like that. What was her name? Greta. Thunberg or whatever. Oh, yep. yep. 13 year old talent trying to tell world governments that we're polluting too much. Yeah. They built a statue of her. Right. Okay. Right. (laughs) (laughs) What I find interesting about all that, though, the Paris Accords and all that stuff is geared towards the United States scaling back on coal plants, nuclear plants, and going wind and solar and all this stuff. None of the other countries have to. Mm -hmm. China currently produces more coal and everything. In the atmosphere than we do. Mm-hmm. How come they don't have to scale back? Why is it the United States that has to? It's only our country that seems to have to do that. Right. <laughs> and we have to pay for it and pay for other countries. Like, how does this make any sense? It's because we have all we, it's because like, we have all the money. We're not in debt to anybody. We're not, you know, that's <laughs> this is goofy. This is mind blowing sometimes. Anyway, that's my rant about that. I read that about New York. I'm like, oh, okay, no ketchup packets. No silverware, no napkins, unless I ask. Right. Okay. Like, I, I kind of agree with you. They should at least offer. Like yeah. you said, do you want yeah. ketchup? Oh, no, I don't. Then just leave it. Yep. They shouldn't just throw yeah. it all in there. But Yeah. At least have that. Except you know. for napkins. They should throw napkins in there yeah. automatically. Everybody needs napkins. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's, and a napkin is is such a small amount of paper and such a small amount of waste that that bi- probably biodegrades quicker than the wrapper that the burger is coming in. <laughs> like it's, I don't know, especially some of the napkins that you get from some restaurants for sure. So, well, I've reached the end of my moose head. Yeah, I'm about, just about uh, there. There we yeah. are. Any uh, further thoughts on the, uh, on the afternoon, the evening now, I suppose. No, I'm about ready to crack another beer though. Once this one's gone. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might put a wrap then That's on uh, episode one then of, uh, the uh, Two Guys in a Beer podcast found on all major podcast platforms. You can also follow all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, 
What's the little green one? Dueling? That's Rumble. Rumble. Yeah, Rumble. so that's, if you don't know what Rumble is, that's the alternative to YouTube. Since YouTube censors stuff, there's Rumble, you know. Okay. The uncensored. The uncensored. What could go wrong like there? Twitter's supposed to be uncensored now that right. Musk owns or it. X. X, yeah. <laughs> so that's what Rumble, that, that green yeah. thing is Rumble. Hmm. I'm, uh, I, yeah, I was not uh, familiar with that. So, that, you know, you learn something every day. Now, I didn't just learn about just Moosehead. I learned now about Rumble as well. So now, now <laughs> well, I'm everywhere. Everybody likes to learn about Moosehead. Yeah, that was a, like that was a, a kind of a great background <laughs> on uh, on Moosehead. So, so yeah, the proverbial like, share, and subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your tell your kids. Tell your parents. Tell your neighbors. Yeah, tell everybody. Tell everybody, and yeah. they don't even have to listen. Exactly. They prefer they would listen, but just yeah. get our numbers up there. Just click. Like, yeah, just click follow, on it. Yeah. Share. The more numbers we get, the better the algorithms become on social media to push it a little more. So. Yeah. If you're going running, you know, like, you know, go ahead and put the podcast on for a little bit before you change to the next one that we get, at least get the click. Right. At least you know? the three second play. <laughs> exactly. That is a just, stat, the three second play. Just give it, just give us that, you know, put it on in the background when you're doing dishes or doing laundry or something and mowing the lawn, you know, whatever it is. The lawnmower, you won't even be able to hear us. It's so no, that's probably better no. anyway. Right. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. So for uh, Sean Field, I'm Andy Beckstrom. And until next time. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. And God bless you all.